Welcome to the Minority Trailblazer Podcast, and I'm your host, Greg E. Hill, the Culture Change Agent. And if you're new to the Minority Trailblazer Podcast, this is one of the only podcasts out there that we interview specifically young, successful minorities in a variety of fields. I'm talking about business, comedy, education, technology, in a variety of fields to educate, empower, and inspire our current and future generation of leaders. Today is a special, special episode. One, because we are nearing the season finale episode, which will air next week. This is one of our last episodes of season one, which has been an amazing rush. And I just want to let y'all know, as I always do, before I even begin the podcast, that thank you so, so much for your support. I mean, we are rapidly approaching 7,000 subscribers. We've only been out three months. All straight word of mouth. So I appreciate you. So, and so I know you know I got to plug it. If you're listening on the iPhone, please leave a review, leave a rating, give us a five star. We're trying to get to 100 ratings, so please get us there. And continue to send us who y'all want on the show. Y'all definitely been doing a great job. And we have some great people on season two. Also, send us improvements. You can all send that to greg at greggyhill.com. Because um, I know I've been getting a lot of feedback. We need an intro and outro music. I got y'all. I already had it in mind. But I didn't want to throw it in season one. I wanted to wait to introduce y'all to it season two. So we got that. And we got some other things planned to really um, dig deep into these relationships and to, so y'all can really get a chance to ask questions to some of the people we have on the show. Because I get a lot of feedback and like, Greg, this is awesome. Y'all have so many questions. Can we talk? Can we talk? I said, nah, I got y'all season two. We got webcast in season two. And mm, I can't let it out the bag yet, but. At the end of the year, we got some big plan where we have all these people in one room learning and growing. It's going to be huge for the community, but I got to keep my mouth closed. But just just clear schedules around November, all right? So before I begin to this episode, I want to lay it out like this. This is going to be a part one. In season two, I'm going to bring this gentleman back on the show because he's in a whole different space and ball game than he is right now. But I definitely think this this show is going to be a testament to if you consistently show up, you consistently keep working. Sooner or later, there's going to be massive results, not small, but massive results that you glean from your hard work and your consistency. So this episode is featuring um, a powerful powerful young man and it's going to share his journey but I, like I said I did this interview almost a year ago and he's going to share his story share some things learned but I guarantee you on season two I don't know what episode he is it's going to be a whole new different experience so please walk with me through this show as we just share a powerful journey and for those that are interested in like freedom power of the mind power on your finances power on your life this is the show for you so let me just get into his bio He's a visionary and financial leadership coach that looks to enlighten those searching for better insight, tools, and information that will provide a foundation for creating a legacy. After quitting his 9 to 5, he committed himself to being a resource for others wanting to make a similar transition towards fulfillment in life. He started a financial coaching agency that works with families, professionals, and business owners to teach the basics of wealth building. These bases include the mental, financial, and emotional strategies that embody true growth. His life journey has afforded him a unique perspective. Growing up around gang members, 
in Durham, North Carolina, where I'm from, Bull City, to now meeting America's wealthiest business owners enables him to relate to many people. After earning his bachelor's degree in economics and communications at Howard University, he ventured across town to obtain a master's degree in international real estate from Georgetown University. This scholastic journey inspired him to educate people on the importance of simple concepts that will ensure personal financial success. He's been featured in multiple publications across the East Coast, specifically in D.C., for his financial prowess and his impact in the community. And he sits on multiple nonprofit boards. He is the plug in D.C. and is currently expanding his platform across the country. And I kind of undersold him on this intro, but I'm going to let the convo speak for itself. If you are working a nine to five, if you are wanting to get financial freedom, if you just want to hear great conversation from two young black brothers that's out here trying to push the culture forward, this is the show for you. So I'm going to step aside and I'm going to introduce my man, my brother, my dog, Rob Boyd to the Minority Trailblazer podcast. Welcome to the show. Thanks, thank you, man. Thank you for having me. Uh, wow. Um, when I when I hear stuff like that and you kind of hear about about your journey and think about it, it's still empowering to this moment. But uh, but thank you, Greg, uh, for being a part of this. Uh, this is something that that people need. People need to hear these things and and hear these stories. So I'm definitely happy to be on today, and I, I believe we're going to get into some great stuff and uh, and help inspire and motivate some people to to achieve their goals, reach their dreams. Got you, got you. So before we dig in and let you share your personal story, your journey, and what you got going on, I'm going to educate the show on, I'm going to get to all the audience of the show on our format. For all you know, they've been listening to the podcast. The first phase, we talk about the interviewer's journey. And we're going to talk about Rob Boy, kind of how he got to this point, where he's at currently. The second phase, we're going to talk about his business. He's a visionary financial leadership guru. I mean, this man is everywhere in the finance realm, in the self-help and success realm. So we're going to talk about what he does currently. And on the third phase, we're going to talk about the future. Because everybody knows I'm a big proponent of planning your future and being intentional. So we're going to talk to Rob about the future plans and, and what he has to do. Then we're going to go to the most exciting round. The exciting round called the Culture Change Rapid Fire Round, where we ask Rob a series of five questions. They kind of peek, take a peek inside of his brain, and then to wrap it up, we got the question of the day, and that has to deal with culture change. So, I'm gonna throw it back to Rob. Rob, can you tell our audience who you are and what you do? All right. Um, well, I'm a financial coach um, more than anything, but uh, I definitely do a lot in regards to leadership coaching. Uh, and also, I'm um, just really planning, like you said, planning on the future and really pr- and putting a plan in place that is not only going to change my life, but going to change the lives of a lot of people around me. Uh, so from day to day, I'm, I always sit down with individuals and give them an idea, educate them on, on what's really going on with their personal finances, uh, where they are now, where they want to be, what it's going to take to get there. And, and how to get there as painlessly and, and as feasibly as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and really breaking down to someone some of the things that they weren't taught to them by their parents or things they didn't learn in school uh, that they need to know about empowering themselves financially so their, their money is more of a resource and not a hindrance on their dreams. Mm-hmm. Um, so right now, I'm um, doing a lot of that out of Washington, D.C. Um, just recently opened an office in Philadelphia. And uh, in, in the next couple months, opening up an office down in the Raleigh-Durham area, which is where I'm originally from, 
um, and really wanted to bring this this back home and, and make sure people are understanding, especially young young people, uh, know the power of their money uh, and understand how to how to leverage it and use it to to make everything they want to happen um, happen. So um, that's really uh, in a nutshell what I do, and I'm pretty sure we're gonna talk a, a lot in detail about it. But o- overall. Um, that's my role, and and I love to 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 do leadership things as well. Grew up playing basketball, uh, and uh, and and being a leader in that regard, and and that's just transitioning into the into the entrepreneurial world, and uh, coaching people on on how to be business owners, how to be independent, how to do everything you need to do, and and understanding that you have everything that it takes, and you have to learn how to how to use those tools, use those resources that are within you, and and I coach people through that process. Man, that's deep. That's powerful. And um, honestly, we're about to we're about to kick it off. We gotta go to the quote section, and then we're gonna delve a little bit before the World Finance Group, before the Finance Guru, before Howard University. We're gonna kind of deep dig deep into the back on a rob and how we got started on this journey. But before you dig into that, we like to start things off with a quote because everybody that knows me know I am one of the biggest quote <laughs> guys in the world. So, Rob, can you tell us a quote, and then also outside of the quote, tell <laughs> us a story. A story, how you apply that quote to your everyday life. Definitely. Uh, one of the quotes that I live by and, and is that if you never give yourself the opportunity to fail, you have also robbed yourself of the opportunity to succeed. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that really means a lot to me because everybody wants to be successful. Everybody wants to, to either start a legacy or enhance an existing legacy within their family within their peer group, um, whatever the case may be. But you have to recognize that in order to be successful, you have to be vulnerable and be open to failure. Um, and, and failure is not an ending. Failure is a is a guiding light to show you your mistakes, show you how to improve, show you how to grow. So you have to give yourself that opportunity to fail, um, and you have to work like you, the only option is to succeed, mm-hmm. but you you have to put yourself out there. And um and one of the things that I did, and I, I caught a lot of backlash from this when I first did it, um from family and friends, is that I I, I just quit my job unexpectedly. Um and um uh, and mm-hmm. I and I knew personally why I did it, mm-hmm. but uh to a lot of other individuals it didn't make sense. I was um. I was in my field that I studied in college, um, had a job right after school, um, which was something rare back when I graduated, mm-hmm. uh, based on just the economy and where things were in, in, in the U.S. But I did that, and everybody thought I was crazy. It's like, wow, you had a perfect situation, perfect setup for your career, and you just walked away from it. And, um, and I didn't feel like I was walking away from anything. I felt like I was walking towards my destiny. Mm. And um, and I, I had to give myself that that room and space to grow, and and, and to also feel because I, I was at that point transitioning to being an entrepreneur, and everyone knows that's not a hundred percent success rate with that. Yeah, and um, and I did that with the belief that uh that I was what well, I was truly going to be successful in who I wanted to be, not necessarily what I wanted to do, but who I wanted to be, which is a huge difference and. People should focus more on who they want to be and not what they want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a whole nother story. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, stepping out and walking away from that and and really 
like like I said, give myself the opportunity to fail. Because um, within what I was doing, I, I couldn't fail. It was just uh, every day, show up nine, leave at five, and and do what I had learned to do for four years in college. It really wasn't an opportunity to fail within that. Mm-hmm. Um, but stepping outside of that and and wanting to do things, quote unquote, my way, mm-hmm. um, and there was a lot of uncertainty with that. But with that came everything that I've accomplished to this day over the last year and a couple months, and um. And I had to give myself that opportunity to fail if I if I wanted that that chance to succeed. Mm, that's deep, man. So how were those first couple months when you said okay? Because you worked at a real estate um, investment firm, right? Right, right. So you worked at a real estate investment firm. You're making good money. The economy was horrible, but you have a job, right? Right. And then you said, uh, nah, I'm I'm done with this. I want to do my own. I'll create my own lane." And you left. So. Walk our audience through those first couple months of leaving your job where you have this safety net, you're comfortable, you're you're doing well, and then going on your own. Walk us through the first couple months. Um, wow. Those those first couple months you really learn a lot about yourself. Um and one of the things that that I learned quickly is that you I learned the, the value of preparation. And I, I had I had prepared to to walk away. I had been saving money. Um had a couple months of living expenses saved away in preparation to to quit, but what I had overlooked um, was the the mental readiness mm. uh, and and knowing that now in this in this situation I have to motivate myself to do everything. Um, there's no longer a boss or manager or anybody like that that's going to push you and to say, okay, you gotta get this done, you gotta get that done. You have to start telling yourself that, and so um, there's a level of discipline that that I wasn't aware that I needed to have, um, and and I knew I, I was going to need some self discipline, but there's just no way of knowing how much you really need until you're in it, mm. and um and so over those first couple months after quitting that job, which was basically July, August, and September of last year, um, I was really in a mode of learning myself and and really looking at my strengths and my weaknesses and knowing how I was going to use both strengths and weaknesses to my advantage. Because um, there, there's always, uh, what people don't understand is that there's strengths and, we- and weaknesses. Um, and, and as long as you're aware of your weaknesses, that, that can be a strength. But, uh, but either way, over that time period, over those first couple months, um, I was really reading a lot. Um and and really getting my mind sharper than I than than what it was when I quit because mm-hmm. uh to be honest the the job kind of clouds your vision and you get into this routine and you forget about some of the small things that are critical with being independent mm-hmm. and um and so I was sharpening on those things and and I had I obviously had a lot more time and I was traveling and all those things really expanded my mind in a way that uh in a way that I it just couldn't be stretched while I was at the job. So those first couple months was more so a transition mentally. Um and, and obviously the day to day changed and I was in the process of of getting together my, my financial coaching business. Mm-hmm. But but that was that was the easy part. The <laughs> uh-huh. business business is business and it, as long as you have a good system, business is gonna work. The the harder part was holding myself accountable in situations where it's so easy to to be lazy, 
it's mm-hmm. it's easy to sit there and say, oh, all right, well, I don't have to go to work today, and I'm at the house, so I can chill all day. But knowing, okay, I gotta I gotta get this organized. I gotta reach out to this person. I I have to pick up the phone now. It's nobody telling me to do that. I have to hold myself accountable. Um, and that's when I really truly learned the value of having a power circle and having a, a group of close friends that's gonna hold you accountable as well, and having some accountability partners. Mm-hmm. Um. So those first couple months, just just to answer your question, were really critical as far as mentally getting on track to who I wanted to be, and um, and understanding and and knowing what it was going to take for me from an effort standpoint, from um, a standard standpoint, and really mentally wrapping my mind around the fact that um, it all is going to begin and end with with my efforts, and uh, and once I once I really brought that all together um it was i hit the ground running and and never looked back man that's huge and i think anybody out there that's listening can relate to not only just okay starting a a new business or leaving a career but anytime you're trying to make a life change or you're trying to gain weight lose weight trying to gain more money you're trying to gain more influence whatever you're trying to do or change the change doesn't come in the know how to do it because a lot of us they we know how to lose weight we know how to get more money. We got to work hard to lose weight, eat less, um, and do a lot of stuff. We know how to do that. There's millions of tutorials online, and we know how to do that. But it all goes up to your head, your mind, because you have to make a complete mind shift a lot of times in order to facilitate the growth you're looking for. And Rob pointed to the point where he already had saved. He was great financially. He was good doing that. But as far as taking the mental shift to hold himself accountable, knowing that nobody's going to be on those shows and say, Rob, make that call. Rob, um, wake up now. Rob, do this. Rob, do that. No, 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 no. Because he can just chill out for a month and get nothing done. And then what what happens then? So that's really powerful out there. And I think there's a lot of, honestly, there's a lot more takeaways beyond that. But before we get into the, the real nitty gritty and some action steps that anybody out there can do, let's talk about. Because we're gonna have we have a lot of high schoolers and a lot of college students that are that are listening to this podcast. So let's talk about Rob. Some of the things that you did early on in your life to prepare yourself to where you are today. Man, um, I think the thing that prepared me most uh, in, in high school and, and also in middle school was um, was discipline disciplinary issues that I had uh-huh. um, in middle school and early on in high school. Um, I was one of those those guys that was in ISS and <laughs> <Yes>. and <laughs> and uh and really just doing doing what I knew I shouldn't have been doing but not understanding um the value of myself as a person and um and and not understanding that I I have the potential to to be great and to not to not involve myself with things that that don't that aren't healthy for my future. So, in high school, um, one of the things that really, really, really got me on the right track was was playing basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, and because my my ninth grade year, I didn't play basketball, and and that was something that kind of had me in the wrong crowd and and doing crazy stuff after school and all types of stuff. And then tenth grade. I made a I made a commitment, um, and and anybody can make a commitment. My commitment just happened to be basketball, and uh, and that's what really taught me or, st- or started the beginning to to teach me how to be a leader, and and how to value 
someone else before for my before myself and 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 giving me the the basis for for having the teammates and having people that that I'm responsible for outside of myself mm-hmm. and a lot of the principles that I learned um playing sports was was still still coming handy today um if not probably more than anything else um so in high school uh it was really about especially 9th 10th 11th um I mean excuse me 10th 11th and 12th grade uh really focusing on okay I I do have the potential to be this person or that person and really understanding um through sports and and those who play sports understand the the discipline and whether it's physical or mental discipline that that comes with um but for those who don't play sports um still committing to something that's going to force you to grow that's the key and uh, whether it's an artistic talent of yours or um an academic talent of yours really committing to it um, because it, 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 it's a God-given gift, um, and it's a talent, but it's your responsibility to turn that into a skill, which takes repetition, which takes focus, um, which takes commitment. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so that's something that I personally committed to, and it gave, it afforded me the opportunity to go to college. Um, and, um, and that was one of the things that I realized looking back was a huge asset to to my life as far as college and um and and just the the stretch that it, it creates mentally and socially um that I always knew people always talk about go to college go to college go to college get a great job yada 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 um and and to be real honestly college was something that that taught me a lot of life skills not necessarily academics yeah you can read a um, book for all that yeah, and and um, so early on as an adolescent, um, just understanding what you're great at, what you're good at, and committing to that, um, and committing to taking that as far as it can take you, uh, will put you in a position where other things out there in, in this world are gonna find you, mm-hmm. and and then elevate you to a level of excellence, a level of greatness. But in order to in order to give yourself that opportunity. You have to work with what you have right now as as a student, whether it's music or art or sports or whatever it is in high school, and ride that wave until it gets you to the next wave. Question, question, Rob. Let's unpack that idea because that's something powerful right there. How do we, even as a young adult, how do we find out what are some things that we could do today to find out what exactly we are good at or great at. Because a lot of, I, I asked a young man yesterday, I went to a Duke football game, I'm not a Duke fan, I'm a UNC fan, and I was like, okay, what are you good at? And the guy's a senior in high school, and he looked at me in my eye, he said, I don't know. It's scary that a lot of people are, are rocking around today that do not really know what they're good at, where they should be focusing. So what are some steps that we can take um, to really find out what we're good at? And, and well, that's a great question. And just trying to, kind of take a step back mm-hmm. you're good at anything that you love to do mm. so it's not about your proficiency at the moment it's about what you love to do because if you love to do it you are automatically good at it so when you think about yourself or think about the things that okay what would i do every day that no one has to pay me to do and i would enjoy it mm-hmm. 
thing about that for me as an adolescent, it was basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, it, for someone else, it might be drawing. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is, whatever it is that you love to do that nobody has to pay you to do, you are good at it. Now, you might not be as great as the next person. Let's just say you love to draw, and you might not be the best artist, but that's not the that's not the 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 measurement. The measurement isn't in how good you are at it. It's that okay, I love to do this and I'm going to commit to this because with work, I can become as great as I want to become. Um, but I have to find something that I I truly enjoy and love to do that I won't just do for a paycheck. Mm-hmm. And once you know what that is and look for that, to say, all right, this is something that that uh, that is is productive and and something that is is um, true to me. Mm-hmm. And once you find out what that thing is, and it's and this is the key part. It it might be something truly that your friends will not approve, and that is a huge problem that I see in young in in young uh young adolescents is that you think all right yeah i love to draw but what would my friends think of me if i was just an artist or uh i love to 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 work in it work in the i love to go plant flowers in a garden but what do my friends think of that or your parents (laughs) or your parents right and so you have to remove yourself from the judgment of the people around you and you have to be one with yourself, um, and because you'll you'll never be successful um, trying to make someone else happy. You you have you'll become successful once you can make yourself happy, mm-hmm. and um and and once you you lock onto that and come and and really become one with that, I I, I truly believe and I, I've seen it on several occasions that then that's that's when you 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 found your the secret sauce and and um. And that's where where life gets fun once you once you devote yourself to something that you truly love to do, and it and if that not that might not be the thing that makes you ultimately successful, but it will be the thing that carries you to what is going to make you ultimately successful. Just like me, I'm not in the NBA, but basketball definitely carried me to this point where I'm at in life now, where I can do the things that I do now from a leadership and a financial standpoint. Because I took advantage of every single opportunity that basketball gave me. Yeah, that's powerful. That's powerful. And honestly, that is the best time right now for a transition. Because right now we're going to jump into what you do currently. And the biggest thing, and I'm going to turn this question back at you. How did you realize that being a finance guru, a leadership coach, a professional speaker... What things did you realize about yourself that allowed you to get in this path? Wow. Um, one, I realized I was great at numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mother uh, worked in a bank pretty much all of my life. And um, and when I was younger in Durham and she couldn't afford to send me to summer camp or couldn't afford to send me to, uh, to any type of camp when I, I'm out of school and she's working, obviously, I would go to work with her every day. And she'll give me pennies and nickels to count all day. That's what I did all day. I was, I was counting pennies and nickels, literally. And um, and and I that was when I was started when I was maybe like eight, nine, mm-hmm. um, really, really young. Started doing that. Uh, and um, and then 
it all came back around because I was doing that just because, like, my mom worked at the bank. <laughs> I, I I couldn't count pennies. I, and I, I wasn't in camp. She, I mean, that was something she couldn't afford at the time. And I, she just take me to work with her, and I sit in the break room all day and just sit there and count. And then I realized, like, looking back at life, and I'm obviously things changed after I was in high school and. And I, I could do things on my own accord. I didn't need to be in a camp or, or anything per se. And um, and but then as I got to college and and I was like, all right, what am I gonna major in? What am I gonna study? And I and it, it went all the way back to to that, those days. It was like, well, let me study something about money since when I was younger, I was around it all the time because of my mom's job. Mm-hmm. And um, and I studied economics and uh. And I really wanted to learn how this money thing worked because the one thing I was curious about and really, uh, honestly, really came to me um, and so, and, and during some of the tough times in college where I didn't even know if I was going to continue college or whatever the case may be. And I stopped playing basketball. And, though you you know, I don't know if anybody can relate, but those nights when you're sitting in the room by yourself in the dark and you just think. Um, <laughs> yeah, I can relate to that. <laughs> and uh, I was like, man, like, uh, I really want to know this money thing. Like, I want to know how this works. Like, my mom worked in the bank twenty plus years, and we never had money, but she counted it every day, and that didn't make sense to me. Yeah, how was that? Like, that's crazy. Did your mom work the bank as a kid? You see your mom work every day at the bank, but then you're like, why are we broke? Exactly. And I and I made a a pact that I was gonna figure that out, and that's why I studied economics in school, and and that's probably why I'm in the field I'm in now, as far as financially coaching people, because I realized that. Okay, my mom worked in a bank, and she still wasn't educated on personal finance. So it's for people who have nothing to do with a bank; they're they're not even close to what knowing what they need to know to be successful financially. And I wanted to be a, an individual that that helped them learn the basics that they needed to learn and help them implement the things that were going to be of value to them um, over the long run and 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 changing. Literally changing what your last name means um, and, and creating a legacy and understanding how to do that financially um, is something that I wanted to give to people. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what really, um, that's my, my childhood really pointed me to this, 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 this point I'm at now. Um, and my mother and what, and what she did and, and the situation that we, in, where we were in when I was younger um, really created this individual that I am today. And um, and I really realized that uh, probably my junior, senior year in college and really it was just smacking me in the face when I was at that job that I didn't love. And I was like, I got to quit this because I got to get to what where my heart really is. And um, and, and that's what's, what's led to this point. Gotcha, man. That's deep. So I want to ask a question because um, I, I, I don't think I've ever asked it before to you. Uh, what is your and for all those who don't know if you follow Rob Boyd on Instagram or on Facebook or just on any social media you see him speaking in Vegas with suits you see him shaking hands with powerful people you see him in back of uh, Beamers and BMW I'm like what did this man do I understand he does <laughs> finance but what is his day to day job like what is he? he travels everywhere does all this stuff so this is my chance to ask you and for you to acknowledge everybody kind of what do you do on a on a on a day to day basis, and kind of uh, walk us through what you do and the importance of it? Man, I this this is probably the most uh, frequented question <laughs> I get at this point. Um, but no, to 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 be completely transparent, from day to day, 
I would say most of my day, I'm sitting down with individuals um, and really learning about them, asking non, really honestly, non-financial type questions, um, really to learn how someone operates, learn what they do. Uh, so I do a lot of one-on-ones with individuals and really getting an understanding of what they are mentally. And then I start to dissect how they're, they're being, how they, how they as an individual, how they operate. And I, and I start to learn from who they are and things they, that they've gone through. I can learn how you look at money, how you value money from just how you operate as an individual. And then I look at that and say, all right, you make these types of decisions because of this. And I can, I'm able to, to see the cause and effect. And then my whole role and, and my job is to recognize those habits that you have, whether they're good or bad. Make sure you you uh, amplify the good habits and and also give you reasons why you need to stop the bad habits. Because I can tell you to stop spending this amount of money on eating out, but once I share with you, all right, this money that you could save eating out, by the time that you're older and you might have kids or might have a family or anything like that in place, you'll have enough to send your kid to college without getting a student loan. And they're like, oh, wow, like, if I can get to a point where I can send my kids to college without a student loan, that's what I want to do because now I understand right now that I hate paying these student loan payments. Mm-hmm. And if I can change that for my kids, and all that requires me to go to Chipotle three times a week instead of five times a week. Oh, I'm I'm going to I'm going to cut back on that yeah. if I know that that's going to be the difference for my child going to college without a student loan. Mm-hmm. And so, all I do every day is sit down with individuals and help them see how changes right now can affect their future. And then once I'm able to to paint that picture. Then I, I also am going to educate you on the vehicles that you can use to save and or invest your money mm-hmm. so that it's working for you as hard as you're working for it. And um, that's what I do from day to day, whether it's small groups of people, individuals, I speak at organizations, I do all that. That's usually my day to day. And um, in the morning, I'm talking to, to our, our office assistant, getting organized. In the afternoons and the evenings, I'm, I'm meeting with people, and that's usually my day to day. But then, <clears throat> like some of the stuff you mentioned, the uh, speaking in Vegas or or going to being honored at certain events or or doing our show, and we have we have our our driver in our car that that we do our show in. Yeah. Um. All of that's just the extra stuff. Mm-hmm. Um. But the day to day, I'm I'm connecting with people, really learning people, and then um giving them the tools to implement so that they can create a, a, a financial foundation for themselves. Um, no matter where you're starting from, I don't care if you have $5 in your bank account. Mm-hmm. Um, I can coach you to a process where you have a savings, have um, an understanding of what it's going to take to create a, a stronger financial future for yourself. Um, it doesn't matter where you're starting. Got you, got you. So I want to talk about success is simple in a second, but before okay. I do that, where and and I know for all you guys, everybody that's listening, you can find out more. I will we'll talk at the end how you can find more information about Rob and the finance group or whatnot. But for the basics, so give us a a, a brief finance one on one basics. What do where do we start in this finance trail as far as um, saving, getting more equipped? Do we, what what tools and resources can we use currently? 
to start getting us on the right path to financial freedom and controlling our finances? I know that's a loaded question, but no, 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 that's a great question. Um, well, I, I, I say it like this, and <laughs> and people can take it however they want to take it. That in order to be wealthy, you have to do what the wealthy people do, and it's not about okay. Let me save my money here in this little bank account or let me invest money here and hopefully I pick the right stock and it's a needle in the haystack. Wealthy individuals approach their savings completely different from how most middle Americans do. And so in order to get started, first and foremost, you have to see where your money's going. Where do you spend your money? What what are you personally um, putting your your funds into, and that's and that's just a level of awareness, and and that's something that that everybody should do, and and I and also help people do. It's like, okay, where is my money going? A lot of people don't even know where their money's going, and um, but then, um, from a principle standpoint and an approach standpoint, you have to pay yourself before you pay anybody else, and what that means is that by paying yourself, that's that's saving money. Um, because you're the one that's working those hours every week, you need to make sure that you are paying yourself before you pay Verizon, before you pay AT&T, before you pay anybody else that, I mean, you might need to pay, mm-hmm. but from a principal standpoint, let me, let me make sure I'm saving what I need to save first. Mm-hmm. Then I pay the people that I need to pay. And then I spend what's left, not let me spend money, pay my bills, and try to save what's left. Um, and once you make that shift, uh, as far as how you're treating your money, then you can talk about, all right, where, as far as this money that I'm saving and paying myself first, where do I need to put that money so that it grows safely and is working for me um, and, instead of just sitting in a bank account and really not growing at all? Um, and, and I'll tell you one thing that I've learned, um, that I learned really, uh, when I, when I had a chance to meet Warren Buffett, uh, back in September and some of the things that he talked bring about. Bring it back, bring it back, bring it back. You had a chance to meet Warren Buffett? Yeah, yeah, that was, that was amazing. Um, and, uh, and for those who don't know who Warren Buffett is, Google him. But, um, <laughs> you don't know who Warren Buffett is, you probably, why are you listening to this podcast? You <laughs> come on, come on, right, people. Right. But, uh, man, there's some people out here who don't know who he is, but, uh, but um, I had a chance to uh, to meet him and and, and hear him talk uh, over at Georgetown here in D.C. Um, back in September of, of 2013, and um and uh, but but one of the things that that they talked about and it was him and a couple other people on, on this panel as well um, is that you one of the quotes that I will never forget is that he has these two rules to money one is never lose your principal. And what your principal is is what the amount of money that you've invested or saved into something. Um, so never lose your principal. Never lose what you would put into something. Um, and rule number two is don't forget rule number one. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so I'm sitting there like, okay, where's the rest of it? Uh-huh. Um, and, um, and, and those are his two little, uh, his two little rules to money. Um, and then I, I wanted to get deeper into that and say, okay, what what does that mean? Where does that come from? And so one of the things that I educate people about 
is as far as to, to kind of go back to your question of where to save your money uh, is is that the wealthy and and what's called the top five percent so these are individuals who make a quarter million dollars a year or more that was, that's what puts you in the top five percent of income for Americans um, they save their money completely differently from how most middle class people save their money but the, the the great part about it and the thing and where I come into play is that I give everyday individuals access to those things that the wealthy use to save their money that are their their tax benefits they pay less in taxes but also um, their money is guaranteed to grow so you know when you hear the rich get richer yeah that's that's true because they save their money into things that are guaranteed to grow no matter what happens in the economy, no matter what happens in the stock market. Every single year, their money's going to grow, and that's 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 just where this whole mantra of the rich get richer comes from. And I educate people on how to use some of these tools that the wealthy do, and, and that's where I come in as a financial coach to give people access to those things because I'm licensed to offer those things to you, um, and because you you just can't get on the internet and open open one of these accounts. You have to go through a licensed financial professional. Um, so, and that's something that I do for any and every client to give them an idea on how they can use some of these things, whether they're just saving fifty dollars a month or a hundred dollars a month, and starting small, but knowing that they're treating their money in the way that the wealthy do, so that you can ultimately be in that group. Man, that's huge. And honestly, there's so much you can unpack from that conversation that it's ridiculous because it's so much more in depth. And honestly, I'm going to make this proclamation right here, America. We need to get probably in 2015, you need to have your own podcast on finance. You do. <laughs> like, seriously, I'm, I'm serious. I, I, I will. I got, bro. You man, I, need that. Help, I need your help with that. Uh, you, you got this, this podcast world on lock. I need, I need you to help me yeah, understand bro. how this works. 2015, we'll put it in the air. Rob Boy will have a finance podcast. I'm guaranteed putting that out there because what he's talking about, there's so many other steps to, 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 to mind shifts. There's books, there's resources and tools that he knows about that no other people are willing to share that he is getting out there and we're definitely going to make sure that happens man but um rob let's just transition to our one of our final rounds is okay. that's when we're going to talk about the future and i'm going to ask two pretty deep questions but one what's the future of rob boy and success is simple in world financial group and what do you do as a finance coach and visionary um wow the future future is big uh i i would i guess to sum it up um, what I, I believe is going to happen and what I see is happening is that there's going to be a huge shift in, um, in not only the African American, excuse me, African American community, um, and, and how we treat money and, and how we start to envision it. But, um, as far as the future of me, I, I want to build myself up to a point where I can shed light on all the things Financially, personally, everything um, from from having a voice and being a speaker shed light on all the things that we've missed out on as a community. Whether it's us that's trying to be entrepreneurs or just trying to be um, great young professionals for a company, um, I want to highlight all the things that that we have missed out on, either through miseducation or political. Um, things or or even social hurdles that we face, and 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 I'm I'm looking to grow into being a person that um, can give everybody the information and give them access to the information that they need to create a better future for their family and, and for the people close to them. 
And so a lot of the things that I do, whether it's success as far as financial coaching, I really want to bring um, information to a group of people that have been overlooked, whether you're Hispanic or African-American or any any quote-unquote minority. And honestly, as minorities, we're actually majority at this point. We got to start acting like it. But um, but just educating all the minority groups on certain things that in certain pieces of information that we've been cut out of uh, due to, to, to certain constraints in, in our, in our culture, in our, in our country. And, and I just use world financial group as a platform to give people access to financial tools. And, and I also use success as simple as a platform to, to share people, to share with people certain, um, approaches, certain habits, certain things that you can improve on personally uh, to become the best person you can become. So in the future, I just look to grow into into to who I am even more and, and make sure I do what I personally need to do to to, to make sure my voice and, and my message gets out to as many people as possible who who, who need it. Man, that's just powerful, man. And um, I can't wait to see what's in store next, man. I really I, I really can't, man. So the, before we end up this round and we get into the, the rapid fan, uh, the rapid um fire round. I got two questions. One, and this is a this is a deep question. <clears throat> Knowing what you know now, mm-hmm. what would you tell yourself ten years ago? Wow. Um, knowing what I know now, yeah, man. <laughs> ten years ago, I was what sixteen. Yeah. Um, at sixteen, I would have told myself, um. Man, this is a deep question. You, 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 <laughs> you, uh, that's, that's, I haven't answered this before. That's, that's a great one. I would say to myself, um, that, uh, that I could truly do anything that I wanted to do on the highest level. I don't think at 16 I had the self belief that I have now. Mm-hmm. And, um, and knowing what I know now, I realized that. The only thing that determines success is, is, or one of the biggest things that determines who you become is self-belief. Um, and um, and so I would tell myself to believe all those crazy things that I used to used to say to myself, um, and believe them wholeheartedly, and and um, and not to think that I was an outcast or I was crazy for thinking that, because um, I always had this mindset that was that was different from a lot of the individuals around me, but I never believed in it mm-hmm. until recently. And um and and over the last few years, I started to believe in the, in those voices that I hear in my head. I'm not crazy, <laughs> just to put it out there. But we all have those voices and, and those things that we tell ourselves that we we try every day to get ourselves to believe, but we don't necessarily act in the way that um that that we should as far as those things that we think to ourselves about about who we can be and, and what we can do. So I would say to my 16 year old self that those crazy thoughts are great thoughts. Um, and, uh, I would have started earlier pushing to be who I am today, um, rather than, um, not really buying into who I am as a person until I got to college, until I, until I got into my twenties mm-hmm. and really buying into that person that I am, um, earlier when I was 16, 17, um, as I, as, as I was becoming a, a young adult. That's so I, I would just tell myself to believe in my thoughts um, because those things are invaluable. No one, no one should should ever be able to put a, a dollar sign on on your imagination. And the crazy thing to your point about that is 
some of the most successful, powerful, and 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 leaders that ever graced the the face of this earth. Nine times out of ten, those people were just themselves completely. They were their complete self, who they were as an individual completely. And a lot of us, I don't know what happens in life, but we just go on this route where we're, 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 we're being somebody else. We're following somebody else's path. We're doing stuff we don't like to do. We're letting parents, teachers, friends, enemies, people that don't even know us, like people on Twitter, on Facebook, anybody that don't even know us, put ceilings on what we want to do. Because like, like you said, your inner voice was telling you, yo, I can be a billionaire or I can really change the world or I am a leader. I'm a professional speaker. I can do this. But society doesn't tell you that. Society doesn't tell you you could do this stuff or your parents might not say you should be a public speaker. Or you should be a finance guru. Your mom probably never told you, Rob, you should be a finance guru. You never. should be a, you should be a speaker. <laughs> you should be a speaker that could charge multiple thousands of dollars to come speak for an hour. Who has told you that? No one. Nobody. But you said, no, nah, this is what I want to do. And I am it. Just like this. Like uh, I always reference Will Smith in his video. You just said, I am it now. I am a finance expert. I am a public speaker. I am a professional. I will change the world. You see, there's no more second guessing. No more no more thinking. You just said, I am it. And then life and the laws of attraction made its way. And now you're effing stuff up. And that's what that's what it all boils down to, man. So I'm excited that you said that because I think us all, everybody listening to this, this conversation right now, if you already haven't locked into being your truest self, then start doing it. Just think every single day, like kind of what, what Rob talked about earlier in the, in, the, in the podcast. Who am I? Just to start off, before you even say what I like to do, just think, who am I? Right. And just meditate because that's really powerful. A lot of people are walking around this earth like zombies. They don't even know who they are. This is your life. You have to really understand that before you do anything. Before you, before you do anything, that's where you start, man. So I'm glad you brought that up because that's been on my head. Every single day when I when I talk to people and I, I listen to them, I'm like, yo, you're telling me uh, people, I want to be a speaker, blah, blah, blah. No, you don't. You want to shine. You want the fame. You want all this. What do you really want to do? Who are you really? And then mm-hmm. that's when people get silent. So I wish more young people and young adults would address that. Now, let's go. I got another deep question for you, Rob. You ready? Okay. We all going to come to a day where we're no longer here on this earth. And I want you to walk us through or tell us what do you want your defining legacy to be? I want my defining legacy to be that Rob was an individual who not only cared about others more than he cared about himself, but gave people hope as far as who they can be, what they can achieve, um, and did it through a way of educating individuals about things that they had never dreamed of accomplishing. Um, and I, I, I really want to be remembered as somebody that um, sparked a change in, in our com- community, in our culture, <clears throat> excuse me, that, uh, that uh, able or courageous enough to attempt. And, and that's, um, that's true. Like, uh, and, and one of the, that's a great question because, and I think about it all the time, because someone who, who taught me how to set goals? Um, he said you got to start at the end, and so I uh, actually personally this this might sound weird and crazy, but you got to be crazy to be successful. He said write out your obituary. Mm-hmm. What do you want somebody to read at your funeral? Write that out, and how how do you want it to read? And and then 
you look at your life and you reverse engineer everything so that it leads up to that, that obituary that you want to be read and it'll tell you exactly how you need to live life. Um, and, and so that's an amazing question and I've actually taken, taken a stab at that before as far as this obituary that I wrote for myself and, and who I'm living to be and become. And, uh, and that's who I want to be. I want to be someone who, who has shed light on a, thing, a lot of things that go overlooked um, that just so happen to be finances and and really leadership. Leadership is the key to everything. Mm-hmm. Um, from an entrepreneurial standpoint, you have to be a great leader before anybody's going to follow you. And um, and so those are things that I, I want to teach people. And um, and I want to be remembered as someone who who gave their all to to teach people those things that that can create a, a super generation, if you will, as far as the young people that are growing up and coming up right now. And so they can step into their greatness rather than fighting for um, just having an opportunity to be great. And they just say, hey, this is what I want to do. This is who I am. And I'm going to be it rather than thinking, oh, well, am, am I important? That, that's not, that, that's not, that shouldn't even be a question. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just want to make sure that I do everything I can do to make sure people don't even consider something like that in their head and, they, and they're working on who they can be. Man, that's powerful, man. And. Um, before we get into the last round, I want to unpack two things that that you spoke upon about that. And one, that's one another actionable item you can take. That for those of you who, who are out there, when you have your life plan, because I have a, a life plan, I'm pretty sure Rob Boy does, kind of a, a framework or a guide, so that you make sure every day you're living that you're going to where you want to be. But start with the end in mind and think about your obituary. He said it said it clearly. Think about your obituary. And I want you, if you got five minutes right now, take a po- pause the podcast real quick. Get out a piece of paper. And thinking about who, one, who is going to be in your funeral? So, who, what, what, what people are going to be in your funeral? And then, like, like Rob said, what are you? What are they going to say about you? Let's take five minutes, just write it down, boom, boom, and kind of look at that. Just kind of get that, get that ball rolling because that's really powerful. And you kind of frame that in your head, then your life and your actions hopefully will start shifting in the way to to realize that. Well, with that being said, we're going to transition into. Um, the culture change round. That's why I asked a series of rapid answer questions, and he's going to give me rapid fire answers. So you ready? You ready, Rob? Uh, I'm, I'm locked and loaded. Let's do it. I bet. <clears throat> what is the best piece of advice that you've ever received? Don't follow the masses because the masses end up massively broke. Woo! I ain't never heard that. That's gonna go all my freaking morning. Text. I like that. I love that. Yikes. I ain't heard that one before. What is one of your personal habits that you can attribute to your success? Uh, every morning I wake up and I look at my vision board and um, I refuse to press the snooze button after I look at my vision board. Boom. Don't press that snooze button. What is your favorite book and why? Who? Celestine Prophecy by James Redfield. Oh, I never heard of that guy. You hit um, me some exclusive stuff today, man. Um, I, I read that book um, because it's one of Jay Z's favorite books, uh, um, and I I really like Jay Z's uh, transition into into business and what he's done. So I, I read the book, and it teaches you a lot about how to value every single thing that happens to you in your life, and everything happens for a reason. And um, and it, it, this book teaches you how to. Uh, Look at certain situations and and make sure that you get some value out of them. How do you spell Celestine, bro? C E L E S 
T-I-N-E. Last and the second word is prophecy. Okay, I got that. I got that. By by James Redfield. And and audience, the link will be in the show notes of this show. So go ahead, grab that book. Jay Z read it. He's approved. And Rob Boyd approved it. So it's approved, all right? <laughs> <laughs> what inspires you the most and keeps you motivated? Um what it, wow. Um what inspires me the most is the fact that 99% of people have never uncovered their full potential. And I want to be one of those people that helps you fulfill that potential. Potential is your enemy. Potential is people say, oh, you have a lot of potential. That That's not a compliment. Uh-uh. That's not a compliment at all. That means you're not doing something to realize who you can be as a person. Mm-hmm. And so um, I want to help people turn that potential into reality. Um and so that's that's what inspires me. When I see someone who can be so much greater and and maybe not be on the right track and to lock in on them and help them realize their own potential um, to a point that it, it is something that motivates them to get better, to fulfill it. Mm, that's deep. It's powerful, man. And I got the last question of this uh, this rapid answer round. If you were the president of the United States, what is the first thing you would do? I was the president of the United States. Um, I would, man. <laughs> if I was, if I was Mr. O- Obama, if I was President Obama, I would, uh, I would r- redo the entire education system. I would, the whole, the whole. I would throw it out and say, we, we got to teach, we got to teach people what life's about. And and not necessarily all, all a lot of the minutia that we're taught in school that we never ever use when we become adults. Um, and no knock on on my on my math heads out there, but the isosceles triangle means nothing to me as an adult. Nothing. <laughs> and so, but I, I do I do know that there are other things out there that people need to know for life, and um, and making sure we teach people um, life skills rather than. Um, random uh, academic facts is is what I would do to the education system. That would be the first thing I'd change because that's ultimately what decides our, our society is is education. Man, that's powerful. It's crazy because even today, like, and, and say if I'm in uh, in high school and social studies class, and I say social studies, knowing your history is important, but we're learning about all these minute facts about French and European government in the 1980s, but these same students that know that getting A's on these tests are the same students when they enter a conversation, don't look in your eyes. They don't shake your hand firmly. They don't say how you – it's just the whole communication process is horrible. Right. When they stand up in front of the class, their shoulders are slouched. They're not looking people in the eye. They're not presenting with voice that they do when they're singing their favorite rap song or something like that. I was like, how are you about to be a high school or enter college? And this is college students too because I go and talk to college students too. How are you going to be in college and you can't communicate your ideas? Right. Or you can't look people in the eyes when they're talking or you don't listen or you go to meetings with no notes, with no preparation. Like you really there's a process. And I don't know. I'm ranting right now, but there's a process because everybody knows this show. Um, I go in my rant mode sometimes. But there's, a, <laughs> but there's a process. OK, if I'm going into a meeting, right. Me and my personally, what I do is I already have the framework of the meeting going out. This is regardless who I'm meeting with for the most part. Not unless they're too high up. If like I'm meeting with Warren Buffett, I'm not going to tell him, kind of script him how to go to a meeting. But uh, it's a regular meeting. I already have a process of 
the whole layout of the meeting and I hand it to whoever I'm interviewing with or meeting with and then I kind of just walk them through it. And of course, it's ebb and flow, but I plan the outcome of the meeting is blah, 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 blah. So I'm planning for the whole thing. So I'm not going into the meeting just with no notes. Hey, how you doing? Well, boom. And letting them facilitate it. I'm going to control what I can't control as far as the flow of everything. And I did that mind shift around my uh, third internship in college. And it changed the whole dynamics of everything. My boss, all he had to do was just sit in there and be like, okay, cool, cool, cool. Great job, Greg. I had what I was working on, who I was working with, highlighted key points that meant something to him, not me, but to my manager. And then it was good to go. And then I was the best thing since sliced bread. I mean, there's so many more levels of this. That's why I can't wait outside of this podcast to join forces with other people that's been on this podcast like Wayne Kibble, Emily Christopher, and Rob Boy. Now, having seminars, we can go in-depth about certain things and skills that you can have to separate yourself from everybody else that's trying to be an entrepreneur, that's trying to change the world, and is trying to create value because there's so much more that an hour-long podcast, a 50-minute podcast, could, could that, that it can't cover. So um, I'm excited to get on that thing. So to wrap it all up, I got one last big question for you, Rob. And one more thing. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Emily Christopher. We were in this uh, leadership academy up in New York a couple uh-huh. months back. Uh-huh. Emily is definitely... Uh, a great resource to people as well. So shout out to Emily. I heard you mention her. Oh man, she like she rock like for all the, the the viewers that listen to our podcast. She, I didn't have to talk at all, bro. I just said <laughs> you do it. And she, her, her, her bro. She, we could talk. We could have a podcast about Emily Christopher. Yeah, we good. <laughs> good. <laughs> oh man, and she bad. Dang, she taking off the market. Dang. Uh, <laughs> for sure. And this is big because I, I quote, I, I die myself a culture change agent. And for all you guys out there. I'm not the only culture change agent in the world. Rob's a culture change agent. There's everybody that's pushing society forward and pushing things and making, creating their own way. They're culture change agents, so I have no monopoly on the term. But as far as culture and our African-American culture, because this is what this question revolves around. If you could change one thing about society, most specifically our African-American culture, what would it be and why? I would change... How a lot of our influencers um, communicate to society, um, and, um, and and personally, I, I want to hold some of the whether they're hip hop artists, athletes, uh, more accountable for for the messages that their actions give off. I don't care what you're saying. Um, I mean, we all all these individuals are entertainers at the end of the day, but. Um, your actions also need to match up with uh, with the the overall persona that um, that you have as a successful and probably multimillionaire. And um, the one thing that I would change about our, our culture is because you can't change how people receive information because that's that's on a human census level. But you can change how information is distributed. And I, and I would change the the way that that um, a lot of our our influencers, whether they're athletes or artists, as I said, um, the way that they or the things that they promote to to those that look up to them and follow them. And um, and I, I would love to get all of them in one room because really, when you think about it, it's not that many of them. Yeah. At most, it's probably about two hundred, three hundred people that every single person in the African American community looks up to. From an entertainment standpoint, it's whether they're like maybe a hundred, maybe 50. maybe a hundred, yeah, you really maybe a hundred. Get them all in the room. And say, hey, I know you all came from the same situation that 
a lot of people are fighting through right now, give them some real that they can use and and, and stop being so Hollywood. Um, and, uh, and that's what I would change because that that's that's where the center of influence is in our community, and that's fine um, because they're successful and they and they look like us. But at the same time, tell 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 the people stuff they need to hear, and 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 not all the flashy stuff that you think is is attractive. It's powerful, man. That's powerful. That's one of the most unique answers we've heard when we asked that question. Um, and honestly, though, to that, it's like. That's why we're doing what I'm doing right now with the podcast, with books, is speaking, and what you're doing in the finance realm, speaking as well, in every other avenue as far as success is simple. At the end of the day, of course, we want to meet and hold those people accountable and really facilitate a conversation. But we are also on our own and making sure that we are living examples of what we want to, things to become. And right. that's powerful because with the Ferguson stuff and a lot of things in our African-American community, there's no shortage of people um, – uh, people asking more for presidents or asking more for um, rappers or athletes and, and and everything else. But how many people look in the mirror and ask for more for themselves? Right. right. And, and for our community, I, I wish at the, to end this podcast and we're going to actually uh, throw it to Rob and he can kind of find out where you can find him on social media and all his networks. But I want you to really take a step and look in the mirror and say, what can I do? To, to change the culture and, and then be the example that I want my people, my generation to be. Because that's where it all starts. Rob alluded to it earlier when he first thing. His first mindset was controlling what he can control and him realizing what his greatness was and stepping in that lane. So I, I challenge you out there, for those that don't know their lane or, or, or searching for answers, look in the mirror and realize you have all the answers. The answer is to becoming a better version of yourself. So, um, Rob. I would like to thank you for, for giving us almost an hour of your time, man, of your advice, your stories, your your takeaways, man, out from out from behalf of myself, Greggy Hill, and the, the podcast nation, Minority Trailblazer Nation. Uh, we thank you for your time, bro. No, no, definitely. And and uh, I, I love to be a part of things like this because it, we're, we're all pushing the same direction. And, and I, I always give my time to productive movements that, are really out here to educate and inspire and empower people. So it was definitely my honor to, to be on today. And uh, and I really look forward to all the things you're putting together because I kind of got an idea of everything that's to come, and I don't want to spoil it for everybody else, but you got some great things on the way. And uh, I'm definitely going to be in tune with all the podcasts. I'm going to figure out how this podcast world works. I gotcha. And, um, and, and, and I'm here. So I definitely appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, and, that's, and, and honestly, this is what it's all about because um, – we see and 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 I gotta get this put this out there again. A lot of of older cats be out there say, "Why all black people don't work together?" Blah blah. blah. And there's two. There's two. There's, and I, you can talk to this too, Rob. I know we're going off script right now, but I feel like some 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 uh, some uh, minorities are not meant to work together, even if they're in the same space, because a their level of commitment is not the same. Two, b there's um, overlapping strengths and networks, or three. It's just a whole different perspective, a whole different shift, a whole different work ethic that 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 are the two parties that have involved. Like for instance, um, the way me and Rob get along is because I understand that um, kind of to, to what Will Smith is. He's he puts his all into what he does. He stands behind it. It is what it is. This is Rob Boyd. It's not uh, Instagram. This is him. He works hard. He holds himself to the highest standard, 
and the man the man goes and gets it and those are the people i want to associate with i want to be around i make time for but for those that say oh, i want to be a speaker i want to be a finance coach and all that stuff but a they haven't invested in themselves b they're not i mean they won't even send you an email trying to connect and whatnot they just they'll text you or something like that it makes no sense why would i want to work with them because we're all about impacting and changing lives so we wanted to have thoroughbreds run with thoroughbreds so uh, what is your kind of thoughts on that because there's, a, there's a, everybody always use the same thing. All Asians work together and all white people work together and all black people should be working together. That's true in certain contexts, but I feel like everybody's really not meant to work together because if we're if our grind is not the same, not to say I won't help you, no, no, don't get it twisted, but if our grind is not the same, our vision is not just to, to advance the people, if there's other ulterior motives, then why would I waste my time working with you? No, and that's, and that's so true. And, and, um, and I, and I give, everybody an opportunity to to present themselves how they how they will want to and and i'm always open to yeah. partnerships and working together but like you said greg um I, I can only do that for people who hold themselves to a standard um that's similar to the standard i hold myself to um and uh and i, I don't i'm not biased in any way from uh, we could we could we could have been childhood enemies <laughs> um but if if I know that you're pushing for the same things that I'm fighting for, then that all that old stuff is 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 not even meaningful and uh, and we can work together and and move forward in the future and it's, it's but you have to be like you said you have to be selective with your time because that's something you yeah. can't get back Mm-mm. you can lose money and get money back you can lose friends and find new friends. But you lose time, and God is not going to give you that back. And um, and so uh, it's very important that we all spend spend our time, or not even spend our time. That's the wrong term. We invest our time mm-hmm. correctly um, in things that are going to make sure everybody around us is growing. So no, that you you hit that on the head as far as as far as that that uh that piece to to what it is we're doing and what we're trying to create. Because this is a movement. I don't care what you do. You can do finance. You can do art. You can do music. But if you are creating something that is going to give back to people, then I'm going to find personally, I'm going to find some way to partner with you. Some way. Some way. Can people find more about what you do, find more about you, your social network? What online outlets can, can people find you at? Where can they find you, man? Um, well, uh, I'm, on, I'm on Twitter. I'm always talking and ranting on Twitter. <laughs> uh, at the Rob Boyd. Um, and, and I, people say, oh, the, like you're like, I do that because my name is kind of common. Um, and so I, I personally just want to be the best one that's out there. So that's why Period. my, 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 uh, my social media names are the Rob Boyd. Um, that's the same for Twitter and Instagram. Um, but also, uh, as far as websites, um, one of the websites for, for our office here in DC is DC wfg.com you can see some of the events that we've done we do women's events women and wealth um we got a couple of other events coming up um but other than that um i'm on facebook uh you can connect with me on facebook rob boy uh and uh we can we can talk we can link up and uh and also my email just for those who want to email me directly and not do it on the social level um you can email me at rob at amplify E-M-P-I-F-Y dot com. Um, that's something that me and and the wonderful Ashley Fox have put together 
as far as um, amplify, it's empower and modify, put together. We, we created a word. Don't worry. It's not in the dictionary yet, but it will get there. Amplify. And um, and you can reach me at that email address, rob at amplify.com. Mm. Well, at audience members, all those resources and links will be on the show notes. So you can find more information about Rob, um, his company, and everything else we talked about in this podcast on the show notes. So this show is done. And this has been, honestly, that was my favorite interview of season one. Because it was so organic. It was so clear. And he dropped so much value. So um, I definitely appreciate him coming on the show. And don't forget to leave a rating or review if you're listening via iTunes. Or if you're on SoundCloud, follow us back so you can be notified on every podcast we drop. So look out for Season 2. It's on the way next episode. Um, It's going to be a little special. So please tune in next week, next Thursday. And keep us in your prayers. And Minority Trailblazer, our team, keep us in your prayers as we prepare for an amazing season two with commercials. Not like during the podcast, but before the podcast on Tuesday with webinars, with intro music. Like we taking things to a whole nother level. I didn't even want to say that. I wanted to show you better than I can tell you. But I just want to let everybody know that's been sending stuff to us that we have heard it. And we have responded. So once again, if you have any feedback, you want to be on the show, you want to recommend anybody, you want to shoot anything, holler at me at greg at greggyhill.com. And as always, I need you to do two things, two things, two things. Mm, My bad. One thing. What is that, G Hill? Change the culture. Good night.